Can you hear me? All right. So, um, yeah, we have a podcast, if you don't know, and um, today's the third installment of uh, three easy payments of $29.99. No, I'm just kidding. It's the, third, it's, the, it's the third message in a series called Party Like a Hebrew, and I'm talking about the Hebrew feast. This week is the feast of Sukkot. Does anybody know anything about the feast of Sukkot? Yes, it's so cold that you need Sukkot. <laughs> um, no, actually, that's not it. Um, I'm going to explain in a second, but let me first explain for those of you that don't know what these are. In Leviticus chapter 19, it talks about some of the feasts in the scripture, and uh, throughout Leviticus, the festivals and the feasts were really important because you're going to preach too? We can't both preach together. Uh, <laughs> That's my, that's my uh, three-month-old. He's over here trying to talk to Dad, I guess. But um, the feasts were given by God to the Jewish people in the Old Testament. And, yeah, look at him. He knew. So and they, it was in that that they were to understand the coming of the Messiah. There was hidden meaning inside of these feasts. And how many like a good party? You like good appetizers? You like a reason to celebrate? Personally, I, I'll be completely honest with you. I don't absolutely love the game of football. I'm a huge basketball fanatic. I like to watch it when the Buckeyes are playing good. That's fun for me. I've been watching the Browns, but I enjoy a good celebration. That's why I like a Super Bowl party because of the food, funny commercials, and I do like a good rivalry regardless of what sport it is. But more than anything, I, I just enjoy hanging out and looking for a good, any good excuse or reason to hang out. Um, and so the Jewish people were given these feasts, and inside of their feasts were all of these practices that God ordained that they should abide by, and inside of those were hidden meanings. So if you haven't heard, Pesach, which is the Passover, was the day that Jesus came and was crucified, and then um, the Feast of Unleavened Bread was when he was placed inside of the tomb on the day of first fruits, the Feast of First Fruits. Jesus was the first fruit of those who raised from the dead. And then the last, Shavuot, which was also known as, anybody want to help me out? Pentecost. Um, I always look at Eric. Y'all should know this by now, though. Was the last of the four first feasts, and those represented Jesus' what? First coming. It represented his first coming. So then there's three other feasts at the, in the harvest time, and they represent Jesus' second coming. The reason why it's important to know these things is because I believe that Jesus is coming back, and he told the Jews to, to, to celebrate or observe these feasts from generation to generation. And um, so I believe that there's still, as, as sort of the Jews are concerned, many, most of us are Gentiles, but uh, they're still supposed to be in play. In fact, my wife left with one baby and you came with another. That's a different baby, but it's beautiful. <laughs> that baby is beautiful. All right. So um, I want to explain a little bit about Sukkot. Sukkot, which is the festival of booze. Does anybody have any Jewish friends? And I'm going to explain why, how this is uh, relevant to your lives. So modern Jews will, will either, they will eat underneath a canopy. Generally speaking, they'll eat outside or in an extension of their house that's not actually their home. Um, and some of them will put heaters in it. But the, this portion of it is to remind them 
about the time when the Israelites went through the wilderness. Anybody know about that? So, so really quick, for those of you that don't, the Israelites were in captivity and slavery in Egypt, right? They had to make all these bricks. They were slaving for Pharaoh. And, I'm, and some of you are like, I don't know what that looks like. Has anybody ever worked a hard day's work in your life? Were you actually sweating? I mean, you smell when you go home. You know you worked hard. You get in the car with somebody that just got off, or you pick them up, and you're like, phew-wee, dang, you stink. I mean... <laughs> Like, like, what is going on here? You, y'all, y'all ain't ever heard of no uh, axe spray. Shooey. What do you think I said? <laughs> so, um, basically, you get into a car. I don't know what's going on here, but you get into a car with somebody and they stink. That's the kind of slavery that, that Pharaoh was making, the Egyptian people were making the Israelites do. And then the Israelites were being sent out Finally, because God gave them liberty through the ten plagues, and they had to wander in the desert before God gave them to the promised land. Anybody know how long they wandered in the desert? Like 40 years. years they wandered in the desert. And during this time, during this time, God actually led them by a cloud by day to know where to go and a pillar of fire by, by night. And so can you imagine that? You don't have GPS, you don't have a compass, you don't know where you're, you're headed except that God said they're going to go to the promised land. And um, during this time, that's where the Israelites were wandering, right? So I don't know about you, but these Israelites could have gone to the promised land, but they weren't ready to go into the promised land. For what reason? Does anybody know? God wouldn't allow them to go. They were complaining a lot. Yep. Anybody else? You got one, Colt? They couldn't beat Michigan State. I'm just kidding. They couldn't beat the Buckeyes. No. The truth is, they didn't believe. Yeah, go ahead. The Golden Calf is a, is a good, I would say it's one of the reasons why they were, yeah, they were considered disobedient and untrusting. Um, does anybody know about the golden calf? Yeah. They, they, they built and erected a golden calf. They said that Moses is dead because he went up on the mountain of Mount Sinai to get, and he came back with the Ten Commandments that were literally written in stone by the very finger of God. And when he came back, they said that the glory of God, because he had been with the Lord, was so strong, so shining, so brilliant on his face, they asked him to cover his face because the people couldn't look at him. That was how, how great the glory of God, the presence of God was on him when he came down. But it was the, there was three things, right? You said disobedience with the calf, a complaining spirit. They were mumbling. They were complaining. And then number three was doubt. They did not believe that they could get in. When there was ten spies that went into the land that said there's no way we can defeat them. And it says that they were as grasshoppers in their own eyes. They were as grasshoppers in their own eyes. It doesn't mean that, that, that they were as grasshoppers in the eyes of their enemy, but they believed that they were grasshoppers looking through the perspective of their enemy. Anybody ever felt that way? You look at a challenge, you look at a task, and you think, this is so big. I, it's not that anybody even tells you you can't do it, but you start looking at it and you think, I can't do it. 
I just can't, I can't accomplish this. I can't, I can't do this. I can't put the money into savings for a couple months so that I can get that car. I can't put money into savings to get that house. I can't put money into savings to start that entrepreneurship or this business, or that's just, it's going to take too long. Or I can't go to the gym because uh, there's no way I'm going to have that chisel body. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you something really fast. I saw this guy on the side of the road. He was running this week. And, I mean, he was, he was just beefed out. I mean, he was really strong, chiseled, looked like Taj. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Taj is still pretty cut, but lean. This dude was chiseled. I was like, man, I would like to look like that. And, and the Lord said, no, you, no, you don't. And I go, What? He goes, if you did, you would have worked as hard as he did to get there. I was like, man, man. I was like, I want, I was like, I want to look like that. And he goes, no, you don't. If you did, you would work hard as he did. And, and it just hit me. I was like, all right, I appreciate that truth bomb, God. I appreciate that. But the truth is, if they really believed they could, they would have taken the lamb. But they had to wait for 40 years until one generation died. So then the next generation that believed that they could do it could be there. But Sukkot is this time period where the Israelites will live outside of their house because at one time they were reminded that they walked around the desert and they didn't have an established dwelling. Can you imagine living outside? If you were to set a tent up outside right now, how would that feel? What would you, what would you miss about your house? Not, no electricity. Okay, what's something else? This is warmth. Absolutely. Heat. You would miss you would miss heat. What else would you be what else would you be missing? What? Wi Fi. You wouldn't have no Hulu and no Netflix. True. True. There's some bugs that can get around you. What? Yeah, but they, they didn't live in that time period. Yeah, that's cheap. Uh, you, your refrigerator. Anybody ever called somebody when you were a kid and like, is your refrigerator running? Better catch it. Yeah. I, I did that. I mean, that was before the Grinch. Uh, I, it was terrible. I was a stupid kid. I'll be honest. Anybody else? How about toilet paper? Would you miss toilet paper? You miss, miss sewage and plumbing. I, personally, I would miss that. <laughs> so, it's a time to go without so you realize what you go with every day. And, and that's one of the things that, that God wants us to do. Even, even in this month, we're going into November. November is a month of giving thanks, right? And, and, and not only is it a month of giving thanks, it's a month of thanksgiving. Yeah, and, and, and not just thanksgiving, but God wants us to have thanks living. So he doesn't want you to just give thanks, he wants you to live thanks. And, and so how many, how many things are, are we, we, we living with that we just don't realize we have every day? Lots, lots of things, right? I'll wake up and I'm like, I'm like Eeyore. Like, I feel like I got this, br- this dark cloud over my head because the sunshine isn't peering through the windows. And when I walked outside, I need a coat. Uh, and I, I, my wife loves fall. I like 
sometimes will go into like a sadness when I when it's fall because I do not like it cold. I like it hot. I like it 90 degrees. I'll, I like to do, I like to go to my her mom's pool. I love it. Yeah, man. Dude, I do. Sipping, eating some ice cream. I do, but but my wife loves the fall. She loves it when the when the leaves change and the colors and everything else. But um, what I want you to know is there's a, there's a deeper meaning even than that. They they live outside. They live without so that they know every day what they have with. Is that God gave them those things, right? And we can have so much more if we believe in ourselves and in God that's inside of us, right? God wants us to tackle the hard issues in life. He wants us to tackle the, the rough stuff, the tough stuff. And um, I'm going to go deeper than this. Okay, so in, in Sukkot, one of the things that the priests did is they would come from, they would come from um, the Valley of Machas. I'm going I'm to read this to you because I don't want to get any of this wrong. But they would come from the Valley of, of Mokish. And um, where am I at? I, I have my place and I accidentally dropped my, my part. Anyways, I'll just I'll paraphrase it. But there's a deep revelation in this that uh, I've, I think you'll appreciate. Yep, some other time. So they come. Yeah, some other time. So the priests start out. And they all have 25 foot, they had to be 25 foot willow like palms. And they would start out, the, the priest would start out on the left side um, at the valley, and the other would start at the water gate. And they would start marching at the exact moment. And as they're marching, they would be waving these 25 foot palms. And as you know, the, the ruach is the word in the, in the Old Testament for. Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is also known as the wind of God or the breath of God because when God breathed life, He breathed into the dust, and what happened? He created man. He breathed into the dust, and suddenly it gave body to man. That's why what happens in your room when you've got to, when you've got to go through probably at least once a month because you'll see this film on top of the dressers or on top of your TV, or on your bed, bed head. What is it? Dust, and dust is dead skin. That's exactly right. Because it says, from dust I created you, and to dust you'll return. So I used to be afraid because, you know, Mom said that dust was dead skin, so I never knew all that dust under the bed if somebody was coming or going. But I'm, shh. Yeah, right? Just, just kidding. All right, I deserve that. I deserve that, Greg. All right. But uh, guess what? They were coming. The Ruach was the breath of God. It's the only thing that separates us from the animals is that we had the breath of God. God spoke everything else into existence. But when he breathed life into man, he gave us a spirit, which is an eternal being, which is what gives us our value. It's what says, he says, you're made in the image of God. You're made in the image of God means you're like him. It doesn't mean we necessarily look exactly like him. I believe in part we do. But we are eternal beings, which means we last forever because we're like God, right? So it's important to know where you stand with God too, amen? amen. Can I get an amen? amen? It's important to know where you stand with God because you're going to meet him one day. And so as they were walking through Jerusalem, there was three feasts. 
that had to happen in Jerusalem. And Sukkot was one of those It required you to be in Jerusalem. One was the Passover. It had to happen in Jerusalem. Why did it have to happen in Jerusalem? Because Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem. That's why it was important that it happened there. Because it was a foreshadowing of when Jesus would be there. But also, this had to happen in Jerusalem because it says that there will come a new Jerusalem. In Revelations chapter 21, it says, And there will be no more sorrow, and no more tears, and no more pain. For the former things have passed away, and behold, I make all things new. And it says that those who are holy and true said, And look, and behold, the presence of God is with man. And I can read that in a moment, but... Um, it says that God enthroned himself in the earth. So we said that the first feast represented Jesus' return. We said the second feast represented the day of judgment when he comes to judge the, the world, the earth and the sea, everyone there. And <coughs> this represents the new millennium. It represents his millennial rule. Jesus will come back and he'll rule for a thousand years, literally rule and the earth, and in it will be a new Jerusalem. So when the, when the priests were walking, they would walk from the left side of Jerusalem, from the right side of Jerusalem, and they would come in the middle. They would come with us. It represented the, the Holy Spirit descending upon Jerusalem. And then the priests would come in the middle. They would meet in the middle, um, and they would sacrifice at the altar, and they would pour out living water. They would pour out water and they would say that there's living water. How many know that Jesus is the living water? Jesus said, you'll, I, I can give you water that you'll never thirst again. There was a lady at the well. What did he mean by that? Did he mean you'll never have to get Aquafina? <laughs> did he mean you don't need any deer park anymore? That's a bad one, isn't it? I don't like that one. Did he mean that you'll never have to buy that ridiculously expensive but preciously delicious Fiji water? No. He was saying what? What was he saying? He said, you'll never have to drink again. He's saying, I'm the living water. He said, I'll refresh you. I'll... But he's not talking about your physical bodies alone. He's talking about your spiritual being and well-being. How many, how many ever felt like... You were just totally dehydrated, spiritually speaking. Yeah. Where it, it, you're like, I don't think I can go on. Like, like there are times where you want to go to sleep and you feel like not waking up. You can call that a depression, but it's really, it, it can also be a lack of Jesus in our lives where, where, where we don't understand how he's involved and he wants to have a relationship with us. When we wake up and there's a heaviness on us, we can't hardly feel like we can get through the day or there's an anxiety in our life. Those things are, that's spiritual dehydration. What he was saying is, I can, I can replenish you. I can refresh you. I can restore you in such a way that you'll never have to go to this well. And you have to remember that in that time, and even now in Africa, if you go visit local villages in Africa, the women there have to draw the water out of the well. And you'll, you ever see the pictures of the women? They're holding the large, long pots on their head. They have to have the most amazing neck strength, right? Like, it's, it's just incredible. But they hold that. And, and really, if you, if you go and you spend time with them like we did in Zambia a couple years ago, me and Lane and Lil and JC and a couple others, uh, 
Maya. When we were there, these women spent most of their day just going to draw water and come back. Can you imagine doing that? That's, that is your whole day, is carrying water for your children to drink, for you to drink, so that you can cook and you can bathe. And you wake up the next day and you get more water. And this is so good. I know he is amen in me. Yeah. Dad always says, we can all sing together, but we can't all preach together. <laughs> it's all good. I love, the, I love the babies. They're fun. And I love Mila, too. Thank you. Because I'm so ADD, I cannot stay on point. It's terrible. Um, that's why JC left. But my, my, my greater point is this, is that sometimes we get exhausted in trying, trying to do good. And he says, don't get weary in well-doing, right? Don't get weary in well-doing, but trust that God's with us. And one of the things I think that refreshes us is gratitude. Is, I don't, have you ever watched Oprah? Be honest. I have watched Oprah. I don't agree with everything Oprah believes in, but she's really generous and she's kind, and she gets those really in, in interesting people on her show. What? I don't know. Okay. All right. So I have no idea what that means, but I'm glad somebody does. Terry Josh. Cool. All right. So Oprah got ran over by a reindeer on Drake and Josh. No. This is such an ADD moment. <laughs> so, anyways. I, what I was getting at is, I don't even remember what I was getting at. You guys threw me so far off her. Oprah's super, one of the things that Oprah said is that, thank you, Eric, is that she has a gratitude journal. Because there's so many people, and I've said this before, but I think everybody should know this, is that contentment is the thing that makes poor men rich, and discontentment is the thing that makes rich men poor. If, if, if you say, I've gone to Michael's class for a long time, you're going to hear me say that because it's something that is a principle in my life. It's not necessarily scripture, but it's, it's scriptural because you'll find the, the premise there. Thanks living and not just thanksgiving. Is that contentment is a thing that makes poor men rich, and, the, and discontentment is a thing that makes rich men poor. And, she, and Oprah was even saying, there's so many people that have so much. I have so much, and I have to remind myself of everything that I have because you can always compare yourself to somebody who has more, right? You can always find somebody that has more than you do, has a nicer place than you have, a nicer car than you drive, nicer clothes than you wear, nicer shoes than, than you probably have. Somebody is, you can compare yourself all day long, but how many know it's not, it's not, it's not wise to live in the land of Ur, in the sense that you look at, look at somebody else and you say, they're smart Ur. They're prettier. They seem to be more athletic, richer. Yeah, the, there's, there's, sometimes we live in that place, and in that place, all we see is of ourselves is less and less and less. God doesn't want us to live in a place where we constantly compare ourselves to other people. He wants us to be our best person, to live our best life, and, and to accept Jesus' help in our lives. Amen? So, I don't have my cell phone on me. What time do we got? 7.50. All right. 
So, so this, this is what I want you to remember personally, is that in this time, Sukkot was a time when, when he said God brought the tabernacle to a place where he could meet with them, right? He, he brought a place where they kept the, what is it called? Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was placed in the Holy of Holies, and it was where God met with the high priest. Now, God wants to meet with us without a high priest. He wants to meet with you every day. He wants to talk to you. He wants a relationship with you. I know that's hard for you to believe, and it may not sound audible. It may not be like a piercing voice that comes out of nowhere. It's, it, I have never heard God like that. My dad heard him like that one time. He heard him audibly. We were driving in the car. We were on our way to Florida. The rains came down thicker than you could see a foot in front of the vehicle. And it was coming down. You ever, you ever been in one of those tropical storms? Anybody in here? I mean, you don't want to go driving, but we were already on the road, and there wasn't a place to pull off, and it just hit suddenly. And he said that the Holy Spirit, he said, we were all three of the kids, which is me, Blake, and Allie, were asleep in the back seat. My mom's there on the passenger side. She's asleep. And the Holy Spirit says, get over. Just like that, loud, screaming, audibly. He said, immediately, he turned to the right, and right as he was turning, there was a flashing yellow construction sign that we would have hit, and we would have hit it right on, going 65 miles an hour. And it could have killed my dad, it could have killed my mom, it could have killed one of us. We don't, we will, we'll never know what kind of injuries or death we escaped from, but God audibly spoke to him. But how many know he does that for those that are trusting in, in him, that he speaks to us if we're willing to listen to him? But he doesn't always speak audibly, right? Yep. In fact, 100% of the time in my life, I have not heard God through angels or audibly. I've heard him through a still, small voice on the inside of me. And a lot of times, it just sounds like encouragement. It sounds like, you can do this. You've got this. You've got the capabilities. You've got the smarts for this. You're, you're able to do this. Other times, he does warn me. You know, sometimes he corrects me. In fact, it says he disciplines those he loves. When I looked at that guy, I literally said out loud, man, I'd like to, I want to look like that. And he goes, no, you don't. If you did, you'd be working towards it. You would work as hard as he did. I'm like, oh, that's so harsh, God. But, man, that's true. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. So, so um, my point tonight is that God is speaking if we listen to him. And one of the greatest ways that we can hear God is through his word. One of the greatest principles of Sukkot, or, or this what's called the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacle, is that God is meeting with man. He wants a relationship with us. And guess what? No longer is he, is he I want to say, embodying himself in the Ark of the Covenant or hiding in a tabernacle. He is now inviting himself through us to what? To reside in us. In fact, the scripture says this. I want you to turn. I want to read a scripture tonight more than just quote all the ones I have. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, if you have your Bibles or you have it on your phone. If you don't have it on your phone, you can add the app version. Put version on your phone. 1 Corinthians Uh, 
so it's Romans, Corinthians. Yeah, chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. And I know it's a little warm up here, guys, even though it's cold outside. I don't know how that's possible. It says this. I'm going to go back one verse, 18. Verse 18 says, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I think the biggest, I think the biggest temptation that Americans have is lust, and the, one of the greatest way the devil entices us out of the church is the guilt and the shame that can come from an impure sexual encounter with someone. And a lot of times we have we have these things where we have regrets in our life and we try to hide we try to hide it's all right. We try to hide those things, right? But what I want you to know is important is that God forgives, that God restores, and that God will push us towards righteousness and he wants us to treat our bodies right. One of the things that you learn in Sukkot is that is, is you're, you're talking about God meets with man. Now he's not only meeting in the temple, in the tabernacle, but he's in you, right? So we've got to treat our temple with respect, with a sense of, of love. We've got to value our bodies. And that doesn't just mean... When I, I, read the, I read the context of this scripture. Most people wouldn't leave, read the context because that's a little edgy, right? I don't want to read the edgy part. I don't want to make people feel bad. I don't, well, I don't want to make anybody feel bad either. I want you to know that you're restored. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Regardless of what is in your past, God redeems and restores. I'm not worried about your past. I'm worried about your present, and I'm concerned with your future. Because what's important is that we're treating our bodies healthy, and we're treating it with respect, and we're loving other people. And we're valuing covenant. We wait for a commitment, right? And I didn't, I didn't even anticipate going into that, but I felt like sometimes we read scriptures and we don't get the full context, right? So I want to... Hey, do you guys have any prayer requests that we can throw in when we pray? I'm so glad you came tonight. Thanks for coming. Yeah, see you soon, Abby. Um, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You're not your own. For you were, brought, you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And I was going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 14 through 18. I'm not going to do that. You can read it later this week. 1 Corinthians 3, chapter 14 through 18. God wants to meet with you. Anybody, anybody need to experience Jesus in this room tonight? Maybe you haven't experienced him in a long time and you're saying, you know what, I've messed up. I've made some mistakes. I've got some regrets this year in the last couple months. I haven't been in church lately. or I haven't, I, I've been in church, but I haven't been living like I am the church, like I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. And things have got to change in my life. I know that I need to make a change, and I need to recommit my life to Jesus. Or maybe I need to do that for the very first time. I want everybody to bow your head, close your eyes. If you're saying that's you tonight, and you're saying, I really need to recommit my life to Jesus. I've, I've messed up, and I know I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I need to treat my temple better. I need to invite Jesus to have a relationship with me. I don't want to beat, I'm not here to beat you up. God's not here to beat you up. He's here to, to bless you, to build you up. Not beat you up, but build you up. Anybody, anybody want to raise your hand tonight and say, yeah, I need, I need to recommit my life to Jesus. I want to, I want to do that tonight.
I want to give him my all. I want to, I want to make a change in my life. All right, we're just going to all pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I ask you to be my Lord and be my Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. And I pray you forgive me of my sin. Restore me. Make me like you. Help me to hear your voice and walk in your ways. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, tonight, if you don't remember anything, remember that this is, we're literally in the, in the feast of Sukkot until Sunday. And um, do your very best this week. Do your very best to think of one thing every day that you're grateful for. And choose one thing, because this, this is still the beginnings of the new year inside of the Jewish tradition. So ask yourself, how can I better myself in one way in my life? What one thing can I do? We talked about last week a little bit. What one thing can I do? Does anybody have that one thing yet that you're choosing to, to better yourself with? Anybody? Want you? Okay. Austin, I appreciate that. I'm not, I'm not asking you to share it with us, but you have that one thing you just said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on it. Thank you. Yeah, good. Anybody else? You got that one thing? You got that one thing? 